0: Now, our Bible reading today is taken once again from the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. And we're going to read once more the first 11 verses of the chapter. Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll read from the verse 1, reading, of course, we often say from the authorised version, believing it's a most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home who enlargeth his desire as hell and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increases that which is not his? How long, and to him that laden himself with thick clay, shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and awake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee, because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil, Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people and has sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 11 and we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 and my theme today is considering the impact of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Now today is known in many reformed and evangelical circles as Reformation Sunday and on this particular Lord's Day we usually focus our attention on some of the great themes connected with the Protestant Reformation. Today, I want us to focus on Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Look at the words, Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, Habakkuk the prophet, remember, is wrestling with God. Certain questions are in his mind. He's asking first of all, are you listening, Lord? Why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you allowing evil to continue, the wicked man to prosper, the righteous man to suffer? Why are you going to use the Babylonians to punish your covenant people Judah when the Babylonians, Lord, they're pagans? Lord, they're evil. Lord, they're wicked. Lord, they're more so than your backslidden people. Are you sure you're not making a mistake, Lord? Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? And remember in that context, he recites those lovely words of Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine holy one, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for judgment correction. He recites what he knows about God as the living and the true God. And then he asks a follow-up question, at least in his mind. How am I to live in such an age as this Lord? I want you to think of him getting into his watchtower. I want you to think of him waiting on God for an answer. He's wanting to know, is there any hope for me? And we read, of course, that the Lord answers him. Notice what he says. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You know what you understand here that from verse 2 right the vision the Lord is speaking to Habakkuk. And if you look very carefully at verse 4 there's two different types of people mentioned. There's a people who are saved by faith alone, a people truly justified by the Lord and they are those who are not. Now, this last part of the text is especially well known. Probably one of the most often quoted phrases of the Protestant Reformation. Remember, the phrase is famously quoted by the Apostle Paul in Romans 1:17, Galatians 3 and 11, and again in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And the chief question the Apostle Paul was answering was this. How can a man be saved? How can man be legally justified and uh, declared righteous before God? And here's the answer. The just shall live by faith. And this text, remember, was pivotal in the days of the great Protestant Reformation. Think for a moment with me of Martin Luther. Think of him in the beginning of the 15th century. Do you know that God had already worked in his heart and mind? Luther was made aware of the sinfulness of his soul. He he knew he was a sinner before God in thought and word and deed. He knew that God was holy. He knew that God hated sin. He knew that God would not excuse the guilty. He knew that God was a God of infinite righteousness and holy justice. And he was terrified at the righteousness and justice of God. On one occasion when he was making his way home, he had this Thought that he was going to be a top lawyer, at least that's what his dad wanted for him. And then there was a thunderstorm and there was the lightning that struck a tree, uh, and the tree fell uh, just before Luther and the pathway. And uh, he believed he was spared and saved by the mercy of God. And in that very instant, when he cried out, Lord, save me, he vowed that he'd become a monk. And he did become an Augustinian monk. And as a monk, he tried to make himself right with God. He thought, how can I turn away the anger and the justice and the righteousness of God for me? He tried fasting. He tried praying. He lay for hours on a cold stone floor. He, he, he beat himself until his back was running red with blood. He trusted in what he called the Holy Mother Church. To uh, He sought to find peace and forgiveness in the path of duty. He looked after the poor. He then was advised to take a trip to Rome. He was told, well, at least if you go and see the Pope, a pilgrimage to the holy city, that's what you need, Martin Luther. That'll help to ease your conscience. That will deal with your sin. Come to the year 1512. Martin Luther's Rome. He's shocked what he finds in Rome. He looks upon Rome as a a cesspit of iniquity. He said, there's not a gate closer to hell than Rome itself. It's a place of unhidden, open sin. And on this occasion, as part of an act of penance, hoping to find forgiveness and favor with God and have a few years in purgatory, he himself attempted to climb up what is called to this day the Scala Santa, or the Santa Scala, the holy stairs. Stairs that Roman Catholicism teaches that the Lord Jesus descended from when he left Pilate's house on the night of his unjust trial. And these were white marble stairs, and it's believed that they were stained with the drops of the Savior's blood and somehow mysteriously and miraculously they had been removed from Jerusalem and they are set up in Rome and they're there to this day. And the Roman Catholicism teaches that if you claim them, kiss each step as you go up, recite a Hail Mary or recite the Lord's Prayer, you'll find peace and forgiveness for your soul. So I want you to think of 1512. Luther's in Rome. He's discovered this city, a cesspit of iniquity. And here he is climbing these stairs on his knees. And as he does so, the Lord wonderfully intervenes in his life. This is what the Lord did. Now listen to me carefully. The Lord planted a text of scripture in his mind. A Bible verse just suddenly came to Martin Luther. A Bible verse that he had read, by the way, in the Augustinian monastery of of a Bible that was chained uh, in the monastery. And do you know what that Bible verse was, young people? It was one particular text of Scripture. And this was the text. The just shall live by his faith. It was Habakkuk chapter 2 and 4. And that day, light flooded into a soul. And that day, Luther discovered and learned something, that a a soul is not justified by following the rites and rituals of the church. A soul isn't justified because he or she produces a works-based righteousness. A soul is not justified because they follow a path of duty and obedience. But a soul is justified by the application of the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ received by faith alone. And that day, 1512, light flooded into his soul. And Luther came to an understanding of the great doctrine of justification by faith alone. He arose from those steps and began to announce the whole concept of purgatory. A money-making racket invented by the Church of Rome. He denounced purgatory as no such place. He then denounced people indulgences. And remember what an indulgence is? It's a promise by the Holy Mother Church through the Pope himself of forgiveness of sins, sins that are past, sins that are present, and even future sins upon the payment of money to the church and Of course, that denunciation of purgatory and indulgences led up to october the thirty first fifteen seventeen which we look upon that date as the very spark of the Reformation, and that day. Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door at Wittenberg. What's the 95 theses? It's 95 arguments or 95 reasons against why you cannot buy pardon for sin, any sin or all sin. not that very act lit the fuse and caused the spark of the great Protestant Reformation in Europe. Today, isn't it regrettable and sad that many want to reverse the Protestant Reformation? Many, of course, who want to reverse the Protestant Reformation deny the great doctrine of justification by faith alone. And they're forgetting something. Because what they're forgetting is this. What they're standing against is the very heart of the gospel. Did you know that Charles Haddon Spurgeon said twice in the 1800s, if our mild and milky, mouthed, watery Protestants could see the papacy with their own eyes, they might have less to say against the supposed arrogance and bigotry of the orange order. You see, how could Spurgeon say such a thing? The answer is because of the impact of the doctrine of justification by faith alone in his own life. And today I'm thrilled that I'm focusing on a Reformation theme. And I want us to think of the impact of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. The the impact in Habakkuk the prophet God was revealing to him, you're asking me how you live in this age? Here's the answer. Here's the ground of your hope. The just shall live by his faith. The impact in the Apostle Paul, when he read that in the Old Testament prophecy of Habakkuk, he took it up and it was his major theme in his writings. Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3 and 11, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 in particular. And then think of the impact in the life of Luther, who read the words in the Augustinian monastery, Habakkuk 2 and 4, and how it came to his mind by the Holy Spirit as he climbed up those stairs. And think of the impact right up to today in our time and in our generation. So that's what we're going to think about this morning after that lengthy introduction. Three things. I want you to think of the impact representatively. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. The word behold, remember God is speaking this word to Habakkuk. It means to gaze upon, to look upon with your understanding. Habakkuk, I want you to see this. I want you to grasp this. Not, not in a casual way, but I want you to grasp this in a meaningful way. I want you to see this so that your heart and mind is inf- impacted, so, so that your heart and mind is affected. And what does the Lord want Habakkuk to see and understand? Well, he wants him to see and understand this, that there's a sharp contrast between two types of men or two types of people in the world. One man is presented as being unjust before the Lord, while the other man is presented as being just, as being declared legally righteous before the Lord. Now here's a a representative picture, the impact representatively. I want you to see that. A righteous man in contrast to an unrighteous man. And I asked you this morning to think of this is that not one of the major themes in the Bible? Is there not a twofold division of men before the eyes of the Lord? Is this not the history of the world as God sees it? There's the proud, ungodly, wicked, evil, sinful man. And then there are those in the opposite camp who are. Described as just and righteous believing men and women. Individuals who who trust in the Lord. Two types of men now. Despite the age, despite nationality and color, despite education and station in life. I want you to understand this morning that there's those in Christ. And there are those without Christ. In which class are you? There's those who are the Lord's sheep. And those whom the Lord describes as goats. Again, I ask, in which class are you? One who is just before God and one who is still unjust in the eyes of the Lord. Notice in this impact representatively, you've got notice about the substance of the soul. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. See, every man this morning has a soul. In fact, literally every man is a soul. Your body is the house of the soul. Every human being in this planet has within their human body an immortal soul. God sees every man and woman and young person and child as a living soul. It's true that men have a body materially. But men are also spiritual creatures. Because the body is the house of the soul. And the soul is the seat of their affection. The soul is connected to their emotions. The soul is the real you. You see, your soul will live forever and ever as long as God lives. And the salvation of your soul is vital and it's important. Remember what the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verses um, 36 and verse 37. Listen to these words. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 and verse 37. Or what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Think of the substance of the soul. But think of something else in this text. There's the sinfulness of the soul. Think of the words, not upright in him. Not by birth is it upright. Not by breeding is it upright. Remember, Ezekiel the prophet said, chapter 18, verse 4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. There's a man who's not right with God. A man who's no fear, nor thought, nor regard of God, nor the things of God. He's not right with his neighbor. He's not right with with those in his family and outside his family. It's interesting here that the Lord identifies or highlights one particular sin in relation to this man who's not upright in himself. And the focus is on his pride. The sin of pride. You see, are there not such a thing as proud sinners before God? Notice the words, his soul which is lifted up. He's thinking about the Babylonians. But he's also thinking about all other men on the earth. Too proud to think about God and the things of God. Full of self-reliance. Full of self-righteousness. Full of self-arrogance. Too proud to acknowledge there's a God in heaven. Too too proud to say I'm dependent on him. Too proud to say I'm accountable to him. Uh, too, Too proud to acknowledge and confess their sin. Think of the Pharisee in the temple. Remember, he prayed with himself and said, I thank you, Lord, I'm not like other men. And he boasted of his goodness and what he'd done and and, and what he'd given. But the other man, the old um, uh, publican, well, he wouldn't even lift up his head in the temple. He smote upon his breast and cried what? God, be merciful to me, the sinner. But a proud man will not confess or acknowledge his sin before God. Too proud to acknowledge their need of the Lord. You know, when I think of this doctrine of justification by faith alone, and if you turn over there to Romans chapter 1 and look with me at verse 17, think of the Apostle Paul. He said, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Where is it written? Habakkuk 2 and 4. And notice verse 18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And if you follow the line of argument through from Romans 1 verse 18, right through to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where we have the words, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's Paul's conclusion. There's Paul setting out the need for justification. Not only is there such a thing as the substance of the sinner's soul, but there's the sinfulness of that soul. There's the total depravity of the sinner. His will is depraved. His affections are diseased. He, 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 his understanding is darkened. He has no thought of God or light of God. In his darkness, he suppresses the truth about God and the things of God. If you're a justified soul and you're in Christ and you're worried and fearful about yourself, your family and the future, let me point you to Christ. Because Christ is our peace And you can have perfect peace Through waiting and trusting in him Remember Philippians 4 and verse 7 It it tells us And the peace of God Which passes all understanding Shall keep your hearts and minds through faith Which is in Christ Jesus Here's the impact that it can have redemptively And could I just tell you one final thing you'll also know the pleasure of the Lord. Do you know that in Christ, because you're justified as you live out your Christian life, you're the object of the Lord's favor? The Lord has you in his thoughts. You're in his mind. You're on his heart. The pleasure of the Lord is your portion. Isn't that mind-blowing? That God thinks enough of me interested enough in me, I'm in his mind and in his heart, that the Lord is pleased with me. That the Lord's heart and mind is always and only toward his people. You're thinking, but, but God can't be pleased with me. My sin, my lifestyle, my doubts, my fears, my unbelief. Do you know the Lord sees you in Christ? He doesn't see you tonight, this morning out of Christ. He sees you in Christ. And in Christ, the Lord's favor is upon you. Turn over there as we close to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me as we close this morning. What did the Apostle Paul say? If we go back up to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll look from verse 35, he says this, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which of great recompense or reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For ye a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Look at verse 11, or, or chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. Do you see the connection there? See, Paul is saying to those dear believers that he was writing to, those Hebrew Christians. Who were in danger of turning away back from following hard after Christ, he was saying to them, Look, the just shall live by faith, and and you don't have to draw back. If you draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in you, and the Lord will have no pleasure in you. But if you're in Christ, remember you're in the rock of ages, and you can't sink through a rock, you can only stand in the rock and you who are standing for the Lord, and, and you're fearful, and your your outlook is bleak, and you've maybe lost your joy and your happiness, and you're discouraged and distressed and afraid, and you're anxious, and you're facing and you're asking, how can I live? Well, here's the answer. Here's the answer. The just shall live by faith. Not, not, not in the church, not in self, not in the preacher, the priest, not in your lifestyle, not in rituals, not even in pilgrimage but by faith in the Lord, in Christ. You see, that's the remedy. God is pleased with us in Christ. And in Christ we can stand. In Christ we can speak for the Lord. In Christ we can remain steadfast and and unmovable. And to prove the point, he takes us then into the great hall of faith, the heroes of the old starting with Abel you see one follows on from the other because they had faith in the person and work of Christ then here was the remedy they could live a life of faithfulness unto God they could live a life of joy a life of happiness a life of obedience a life that would bring them into union and communion with the Lord because they had faith in God there's the pleasure of the Lord and that's the impact Redemptively. Now let me ask in closing.
1: Think of the impact of
0: the great doctrine of justification by faith alone. If it impacts upon us representatively, Are you among the just or the unjust? Are you among the saved or the lost this morning? Only you can answer that. Have you saw that you have a soul? Have you discovered your sinfulness? Have you discovered that your soul is perishing? But can be saved through faith in Christ? That may ask you, has this got a, an impact revelatory on you? That you've got a handle in this article upon which the true church stands or falls? Do, 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 have you discovered the mark? Have you laid hold upon the meaning and the message of, of what justification really is? Does it matter to you? And has it impacted redemptively? Have you got peace with God? do you know the peace of God? And have you begun to experience the pleasure of the Lord through seeing it in Christ? I trust and pray that what I've tried to say this morning, even though it's with stumbling words and a difficult and heavy heart, I trust and pray that the Lord will bless this word to you today.